Howdy, hey, this is Light on the Trail podcast. Thanks so much for being here. On today's episode, we get into the lexicon that is the trail runner's vocabulary, the what's and why's of all these acronyms, what they mean, what I feel like I'm left in the dark. You know exactly what I mean if you're new to trail running like I am in the fitness scene and you don't know what is going on or what they're talking about. On this episode, we're going to cover just that. So let's say you're cruising along to the uh, nearest trailhead or down by uh, the gym area that you run around the block or whatnot, and you hear some people talking about the run they had, and this guy's like, uh, yeah, so I, I DQ'd at this BQ I've been training for because this dang plantar fasciitis flared up after some terrible fart lick training I did a couple weeks back. And you just like smile and nod like, oh yeah, I got to okay, let me go after this, and then we keep running and keep moving, right? My goodness, <laughs> are you listening to podcasts or read books, right? And they throw in some words like VO2 max or, or negative split and cadence and gate and like FKT and, uh, you know, I kicked at the end. You're like, what? I thought this wasn't karate. This is right. So <laughs> there's a lot to it, but it's really interesting. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this episode. I have curated a list of words that I had off the top of my head. And that I did some research and looked into and other ones that I forgot. Anyway, all that. So I've, I'm, I've no particular order. Definitely not alphabetical order. Uh, I tried to kind of keep some that are around the same kind of idea or, or meaning close to each other. Uh, I was just having fun and writing these down and then and, and making little notes with them and everything. Um, we're going to get right into that. Um, with this, though, uh, I do. I heard a cool phrase today. Um and this is getting into, into spiritual and, um, you know, with, with God and everything and some scripture here, um, which are also going to mention my favorite scripture. So this is just going to be a fun episode for me, at least. <laughs> I hope you like it as well and learn something from it. But um, fear of favor is a term I heard today. And I love little short, impactful sayings like that, right? So fear of favor. Essentially, are you in whatever you're doing, are, are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it for the favor of others, for the culture to appease those around you? Are you afraid of what other people may think of you or about you and what you're doing? Um, sometimes this can be hard for Christians, right? Uh, if you are trying to say something or have a, a spiritual moment about yourself or others or say a good word or even saying, God bless you. That's something that I've struggled with before. I just want to say like, hey, have a blessed day. And then you have that quick thought, like, what if, what if they don't believe? Like, you know, just do it, man. Don't have fear of favor. But my favorite scripture is is James one nineteen, And I'm not going to read it verbatim out of, out of King James or the international version or anything. But um, I think I like it so much because I, I try to remember it for myself that I need to, to take a couple seconds or think before you speak. Um, so the passage or 119... It says the verse, um, essentially, brothers and sisters, or hey, do this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger or wrath, um, which makes perfect sense. And to me, that just connects a lot with me, right? Listen and really think about it. Let your body absorb it and hear it before you act out and don't anger. Um, anger can lead to multiple problems. And, and one is not thinking correctly, right? So in that order, hear what someone is saying. That does a lot with conversation as well, right? 
um, good conversation is, is giving back and forth and really contemplating things um, and even debating in some aspects is okay. But are you trying to conversate and talk or are you just waiting until it's your turn to speak because you want to get your point out and you want to talk or you want to be the center of attention, right? It's okay. Um, it goes both ways. Make sure you're asking questions and, and moving the conversation along and really caring about what the person's saying uh, or looking for ways to help them. Um, but yes, be quick to listen. Listen first. Contemplate. And then, um, then you can speak and do not anger about it. Be slow with, slow with those things. Um, be responsible for those. So in your, if you're having a fear of favor, listen to yourself. It's also an important part of this. It goes both ways, not just um, sonically, like what we hear with our ears, but internally too for ourselves. Listen to yourself, your gut feeling, and, and you can you know, move yourself forward that way. I think it's a really cool phrase. Um, so now let's listen to some of these, uh, I was going to say anagrams. I can't remember. <laughs> the, um, and not analogies. I've lost the word for it. Uh, might be anagram. <laughs> the letters um, and, and these words here that have broke down. Uh, so we're just going to start off from the beginning here. I have FKT and a CR. Um, this means fastest known time or course record that are essentially the same thing. Um, I, I don't know too much of a, a variation of why they would be different. I know specifically there's FKT, like the the um, fastest known time website is almost like their records for certain. There's like an Appalachian Trail one. You know, there's the across, uh, I can't remember that trails in Australia. Australia, my goodness, Arizona. Um, but that, that's like worldwide um, for these fastest known times on the trail. And then course records, I, th- I believe, are more related to smaller areas or smaller trails or could also be yeah, paved, of course. But they're very similar. So FKT, fastest known time, and CR is course record. Uh, next is MUT or MUT. Um, so this is a, a mountain ultra trail like a UTMB, which is the Ultra Tour Mountain uh, Mount Blanc, which is in like part part of France. I believe it actually goes into other countries there. But if you you've probably heard of UTMB, a huge ultra race up in the mountains, uh, you could say UTMB is a mud, which is a mountain ultra trail. There you go. Uh, the MUT, the mud, is actually a really recent one I heard looking into something about UTMB. <laughs> With the next one I have uh, in line here, uh, Vert or Verdi. You could definitely say that is also a UTMB or a mutt race is pretty verti. It, it, vertical, essentially, obviously. Some of these are thankfully very easy. Uh, if it's got a lot of gain, vertical gain, or up and down, it could be very verti. Runnable, pretty much the opposite. <laughs> nice uh, nice flat spots where you could run or really get into a good pace uh, is runnable. Crazy how that sounds, right? A scramble is uh, more technical terrain, you know, it could even dealing with like a lot of sand or like loose gravel and things. But if you're scrambling or even almost bushwhacking through it, through a spot um, or in a trail, but it's, it's kind of technical terrain here. Um, in IT band, right? Uh, IT band or iliotibial band um, is, is the band like from the outside of a hip to the, your knee, the outside of your knee. And I am not, again, this is just uh, from my beginner point of view, what I've gathered, my little bit of research. Um, uh, I am not a pastor, and I am not a licensed in any kind of medical way or a trainer. Um, I was almost a Ninja Gym trainer. That's a true story. 
<laughs> but I'm just sharing my humanity here and being vulnerable and trying to help others. And this kind of helps me along the way too. Anyway, so that, that's a common pain or a pain or a, a, I don't want to say, I guess like an injury. You can hear from, hear what people um, will, will complain about or that they have is an IT band or iliotibial band, pretty much stretching of that and it'll hurt. I had a little bit of that at the beginning of the year. Um, DOMS or D-O-M-S is delayed onset muscle soreness. It's exactly what it sounds like. So it's a delayed muscle soreness after an activity. Um, it, it could be a while and then you just start feeling really sore. You're like, I thought it was fine. What is this? Like, oh, it, obviously you've got some DOMS going on. Um, niggle is when you hear a lot too. It just means like a pain. You've got a little something going on in your calf or your foot or your knee. And you're like, I've got this little niggle bothering me. I don't know if it's IT related or not. You know, something, something like that, right? Um, plantar fasciitis. Dude, your plantar fascia, um, a very another very common injury or issue from runners that they'll have. It's that that fascia tissue that connects your toes to your heel, so essentially the bottom of your foot. A very impacted, used part of runners. Um, so that's a, a common thing, and it's just it's your foot and heel pain. Um, but that's the plantar fascia or fasciitis is then the the injury name, I suppose. Um, pronation. Now, pronation is not bad, and I've learned this, again, from uh, all the times of running. It's, a, it's a, something I, I learned about a lot um, early on in, in running when I did other things, but uh, your feet are actually supposed to pronate a little bit. Uh, this is something that I know I've had kind of, I don't want to say pulled over, tried, tried to get over on me before, but if you go into a running store, and I had a bad experience at one before, and they didn't... <laughs> They didn't even ask me why I was there, really. Um, he did. And I said, like, to get some shoes? Because it was specifically a running sh- a shoe store. So, duh. Um, and he didn't ask what kind or why or what I was specifically doing. Come over here. Step on our little our little special magic pad. And it tells me what, what installs you should get. All right, what you're, what I'm, you know, this is going to save your day right here. No. Um, maybe after a couple of those tests from different places, or if I see a, a doctor and he tells me, like, hey, these inserts will help then I would get them. Um, unless the store is really reputable, and this is all my opinion, um, then I'm not going to get inserts yet. Because to me, and I've been a salesman before, and I say before because they just want you to sell stuff. They they don't care. You know, the best salesman isn't someone who loves running. It's someone who sells shoes. So they they just, whoever makes the most sales. And I get the, I say that with, because they try to hand, hey, step on this. Okay, here's our little colorful graph thing with your feet up here. See this? It says you're pronated. You're going to need these inserts here. It's like, I, I won't be getting those today. Okay. All right, we moved on. And then again, he continued to pull out two pairs of shoes and have me walk around with them. And was like, so are, th- are these going to work today? No, I'm, I'm looking for a, a trail shoe. Oh, y- yeah, you never asked me. Like there, he was, it was very obvious. He was just trying to get me in and out of the store. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, so some pronation is normal. It's how, how your foot and ankle and body move and how it absorbs that absorbs that impact. There is overpronation, right? Um, that, that is a thing. But that's all that pronation is. It's kind of your, your feet and ankle bending inwards, um, the inside. And you'll kind of, if you ever look like behind or if you can stand in a mirror, I guess, and see the back of your feet, though, they'll, they'll kind of go in almost like um, parentheses uh, facing away from each other. But a little pronation is normal. Um, gait 
is just kind of your own, the way you, you run. Uh, or essentially walk. So something else that they'll do, like I said, they put me on a treadmill. I'm like, let's check out your gait, see how you step, and your 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 foot striking. And um, it, it's all it's individual to the individual rather. Um, your gaits are supposed to be. It, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? Um, but it's just how your locomotion is when you run, and then that can help them decide on what kind of shoe or insert you need to help support stuff. Again, I'm not a doctor or anything, but sometimes it could be more they're just trying to sell you stuff anyway that's what gate is uh foot striking um you can hear this a lot about hill striking right or midfoot or forefoot forefoot is the more forward part front of your foot midfoot is middle ish of your foot right the and then hill striking is in your heel you're landing hill first what is making contact first when you are when you're making your step um, you'll hear a lot that hill striking is not good because if you're, if your hill is hitting first, right, your foot is further out in front of you and it's causing more of an impact and a push back into your knee and your leg and essentially kind of putting the brakes on. So you're slowing down, um, minuscule and I'm sure there's, there's extreme matters of it as well. Um, uh, but most of the time you kind of hear people suggesting to try to be more midfoot. Um, downhill is different. I think you almost have to be hill striking, right? To Unless you're just bombing and cruising down this hill and you're like a goat and you're sprinting down it. Um, but just be aware of that. Um, so what is a next in line? Try not to go too fast through these. Uh, a backyard race or a knockout style race. Um, on the episode before this right, interview with Will, we kind of talked about um, the backyard ultras. Essentially a backyard race is a is a small area not uh, not a backyard it's it's a small around four to five miles and every hour you you start so you have to be back before that time before the hour start on the hour and go and you come back so it's looped and constant um whereas a knockout style race um i don't hear see them being as common i think they're more of like a track thing too but Every time the last person, if there's 20 people, it's going to be 20 laps, or I guess maybe 19 laps, but the last person gets gets eliminated after everyone. It's not a very common thing, uh, but that it's a kind of style. It's pretty neat too. Um, here's one. So tempo work and fart lick. What's tempo work or strides, right? They're all, all similar. Um, tempo work for the most part is like kind of holding a speed, like you have a, a decided pace that you're going to try to hold for a little bit of time, right? Or I'm going to do this for two minutes and then slow down for three minutes. And then I'm going to hold that pace again for two minutes and slow down. Um, essentially, and then fartlek is is like little spurts here and there, um, in and out. So less less chosen by your, you know, for an amount of time, more of like, I'm okay, I'm coming around this corner. Uh, I'm going to sprint for 30 seconds. And then get work on your heart rate back down. And then cruise, and then I'm going to sprint for a minute. Or, you know, whatever. It, essentially that. It's just less... I don't want to say structured tempo work. It all has its place, right? But that, that's the main difference because I used to get those confused a lot. Farlick is kind of just in and out of speed, short spurts. Aero tempo work is your specific, like a pace that you're you're trying to hold for a bit to kind of fill that pace for whatever amount of time. Cadence is a very common one. Um, that's just steps per minute. Um, I believe it's around 180. So they say is like the golden pace or golden cadence, right? Um, because the idea is that the if you're in the air too long, if you have a a 
uh, I want to say wider cadence, a say slower rate of, of foot on the ground, like a 160 or so, then you're in the air longer. So that's less power on the ground pushing you forward. If you have a higher cadence, then you're exerting too much energy right on the ground and making little steps and you're not getting the full benefits of, of pushing off. So from what I've gathered again, and I've heard this talked about so many times, um, cadence is around 180 is, is the, the golden kind of time is around, around there. Everyone's different cause you have different lengths of your legs, obviously. So there, there's all that in between. This really messes me up when I think about form a lot in cadence and I'm trying to like, what is, let me see how that feels. Let me, let me try to do this. Right. Um, a good idea is you can just get a metronome. There's, I think there's a bit, you can probably YouTube 180 metronome, 180 beat per minute BPM metronome play. And just that deep, 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 and just have that listen to you, listening to that while you run, if you really want to practice it. But I know when I, when I focus on my form and I'm like filling my feet, how, how am I hitting the feet? This feels good. I'm working on, I'm just thinking of my knees and I'm picking my knees up, lifting my knees or my heels up high, making sure I'm not, you know, landing in a weird way with my foot, try to be midfoot, real light. We're running on mashed potatoes, right? And I get my hands loose. Yeah, hands hands to the side, not crossing over. Everything's moving forward. Let's have a little forward lean going. And I I I run. I mess up when I when I get too conscious about my form or my cadence. I will trip. I will run faster. Usually, I will always my speed will increase. And I'll look down and I'm like, dang it! And now I'm now my heart rate's up. And I was just trying to fill this out that always messes me up. Um, but cadence is really neat. Um, there's a lot of, again, kind of science behind that, but that is what they mean when they're talking about cadence. Next, PB and PR. The same thing, personal best or personal record. So that's exactly what it sounds like. Same thing with like a CrossFit or lifting or anything, your personal best and your personal record for that mile or 1K, or 5K, or whatever it is. That is your personal record, your goal that you're trying to beat and beat again, or what may have you. Um, a split or negative split, you'll hear a lot on a people in, in mar- marathon talk. Um, the negative split is actually good, right? So you want the, the split, like in half, the second half of the marathon, those last 13 or so miles, um, to, to then be a less time faster, I'm making it hard, uh, should be faster, so a short amount of time than the first half. So not not even and not, not faster at first and then slower in the second half. But a negative split is slower on the second half of whatever you're running than in the first half. Um, and splits themselves are just usually by a mile. I know a lot of trackers... Um, when you're recording yourself, they'll have your splits and it'll go by every mile, right? So this mile you ran this much, this mile you ran this this pace or this this time, and this mile and this mile. So, so that's what a negative split is. That's something I heard a lot whenever um, I was looking into to running and races and marathon and everything. Um, bombing or bomb downhill. Usually here in that context, they just, man, they came bombing down the hill, right? Uh, a, a lack a lack of self-preservation. This guy was bombing down the hill, flew past me. Um, this is something that I have started to embrace because I think it's fun. Um, it's just what it means. You're just running fast down a hill. I like that idea because 
gravity is pulling you down, right? We can agree on that. So you're going downhill. It's almost like free energy. I'm more, I more or less think about picking my feet up than moving them quickly downhill. Uh, there's definitely a technical part to that. Um, and you can really eat it <laughs> and uh, just wipe out and just be a, be a pile of bones on the side of a trail and trying to heap yourself back up. But uh, bombing downhill, uh, some people, when, you, when you're you know, watching trail races or the Golden Series or whatnot, there's like these people that are just these power leg hiking machines and uphill, that's their jam. People, they, once they hit a flat, they kick it into high speed, and that's their jam. And there's people that's downhill. Downhill is technical running, and they just cruise downhill, and they'll pass people, which is the more, again, you, you learn about these things, you can notice these things more and pick things out. And it's really interesting when you see someone that was, you know, maybe sixth place or so, and then they get up in third place just because they ran downhill uh, or whatever it is. But that, essentially bombing or bombing downhill. Here's a cool spot. Okay. You hear these a lot. DNF, DNS, and the DFL. So, uh, DNF did not finish. Uh, not to be confused with like disqualified, right? Um, if you're disqualified, it could be because you were cheating or paperwork didn't go through or something like that. But DNF is did not finish. It's exactly what it means. Next to your time where it would show a time on that race. You, it, that name will probably be towards the bottom and it'll say DNF or DNS did not start. This person has signed up for the race. They were supposed to be there here, but they did not start. So we have them on record. They're going to be here, but they did not start the race. And then DFL dead freaking last. That's exactly what that means. Some races, um, again, in last episode, uh, when I was talking about well, you get that, that's a spot, a DFL. You got dead freaking last, but you finished and you might even get an award for that, right? Or a little medal, which is really neat. There's a trail series here in Texas. Um, I shouldn't say trail series, a, a trail group, and I can't remember who they are, but I won, I'm, I'm like 99% sure I read they have like a lemming award. Um, and I don't know if it's a plaque or whatever it is, or they, or you just get called a lemming, but for everyone that goes off trail, if you go off trail and you follow somebody that went off trail, you get the lemming award. Like lemmings jump off, a, jump off the the cliff into the ocean, right? Uh, which is hysterical. But so they have that as well. Uh, moving along, a BQ. Uh, you may see this on somebody's profile if they're a runner in the running community, and you say like, "Yeah, I be, I'm a BQ essentially, um, a Boston qualifier," or they're qualified to run the Boston Marathon. They ran a race. Or if you're looking at a, a marathon and it says it's a BQ, you know, a BQ, whatever race. So that is a race that you could be a Boston qualifier if you complete it in that right amount of time. Anyway, that's what that means. VO2 max. Alrighty. So this is one that gets if in the fitness scene, not just running, right? A lot into to all kind of athletics, every Real, you know, athletics thing. You see the person, uh, the real intense scene, and they're they're strapped up on the I almost said escalator on the treadmill. <laughs> Gosh, hopefully not escalator. Uh, they're strapped up on on the treadmill, and they've got that the mask over their their mouth, and they're running, and they're pouring sweat. And there's these people watching screens around them and everything, and they're just like cruising and cruising and cruising. Um, that is the kind of I shouldn't say kind of, but official 
VO2 max test. It comes up in a lot of our tracking devices and things, but it's not, it's really not that accurate. It's just kind of doing an algorithm based off your average pace and your heart rates um, over some whatever amount of time. But it's essentially like the maximum amount of oxygen usage or intake that that person's body can can function at. So that at what point at whatever effort or exertion is your body not getting enough oxygen? Um, so you're kind of going into a deficit, right? Um, uh, it's by a number, uh, you know, up to 90 is like ridiculous or it can be around 40 or so. Um, it's by the number. I'm not sure exactly what the number, what specific points they all go off. It's just heart rate. Um, they may test your blood after it and all those things, but this is essentially it. The, the amount of oxygen intake and usage that how efficiently your body uses that. And at what point does it kind of go over the limit and you're, and you're not, you can't sustain it almost, or how, how efficiently does it use it at that high output? Um, at whatever effort you're at. Okay. And that has a lot to do with these next two words. So aerobic and anaerobic. You hear those a lot as well. Um, same thing with threshold. We'll get that in a, in a second. Uh, essentially, the easiest way I have remembered this is aerobic is with air or oxygen and anaerobic is without oxygen. Uh, this is the threshold. When people say threshold, it's around that anaerobic threshold. So it's similar to what we were just talking about with the VO2 max. Your anaerobic threshold is around that point where, where like the, the body or your body, the, the blood essentially starts building up lactate. Uh, lactic acid starts to build up more than it, your body can get rid of it. And you're using a lot of oxygen. So it's kind of turbulent points that you're getting into. Um, so you hear a lot of people say train, train just below threshold. Uh, and it helps raise that roof and you kind of keep pushing that, that ceiling up, um, before you, you break into your threshold. Cause once you get over that threshold, it's almost like you're, you're dipping into your real reserves and you're kind of getting into a deficit. Um, where was your, while you're aerobic, um, you you can be as long as you're fueled properly right and your body can sustain that amount of en endeavor, whatever it may be, you can kind of uh, recoup and and easier to maintain. Everyone's different, but I hope that kind of helps explain it. Um, a kick. Going on to the next word here. So a kick. Someone says they kicked. Uh, I was running a race and I didn't know when to kick and it came around the corner. I saw I was so close. I was like, oh, I wish I would have kicked earlier. This is pretty much giving it all you got at the last, the last little bit. And this is real, real big in, in track races, right? You'll see all the guys running the, what at mile or longer, um, do all the laps. And then on the last lap, they all start speeding up and then they've got like 200 meters left and they're running, getting after it. Um, this is just, I love that feeling of, it, of, cause you're, you're finishing the race, right? You can see the goal or at least, you know, at whatever percent that you're at, uh, you know, I'm, I got like 3% left of this, of this race. I've got a mile left of this race, whatever it is. Um, you're part of that excitement. The pain kind of goes away. Um, and you, you want to kick and you're like, let's finish strong <laughs> belays through this thing. I think that kind of helps define what maybe a good race was or a fun race. If you have that acknowledgement 
uh, let's go get done, uh, done kicks, you know, ran, um, or were like, you were you done a couple miles ago and you drag across it and you like have nothing left in the tank. Um, there's, you know, respect to both of those points, but a kick is essentially on purpose, pedal down, standing on it, run at the end. Looking into course styles here, um, out and back, point to point or like loops. So an out and back is like a point to point, but the finish and start is at the same spot. So it's essentially a linear path. You'll run and there'll be a turnaround halfway through and then you come back. This can also be looped. Um, so you do that multiple times. If it's, if it's a marathon, say, or a 30 mile or whatever it is, and you'll do that out and back multiple times to finish the whole race. Some races have it where it's just one long out and back, you know, whatever it is. So 13 miles out and 13, you know, 0.2 miles back, however that, you know, 0.1, whatever, um, to finish the whole race. Where a point to point or A to B is, is you start at this point and you end at the other point. So it's one one run. Um, this is nice, right? Cause it's interesting and changes scenery the whole way. Um, and out and back is kind of like with, with a looped one, if it is anything looped, obviously just you do whatever that track is a couple times. Um, it has more strategic possibilities in knowing where aid stations are and all that, but those are all the difference in those kind of, kind of courses. Um, if you're getting dropped, you're dropping off, not a drop bag, right? A drop bag, is, an, is something else that you hear a lot about, especially on ultras. Um, if they allow them at those races, it's like a pre-made sack of stuff that that person wants that they took to an aid station halfway or so through this race, and they can pick it up and change their shoes and their socks and fuel or whatever they have there in that. Um, but getting dropped usually means if you're kind of running with the pack and you can't maintain that speed with that pack or group of people, you're kind of falling back and falling back until you have dropped off. So there you go. Uh, Bonk is one. Uh, I haven't heard this as often anymore. Um, it's related to fueling. So if you feel like you have bonked or hit a wall, I guess you hear it, maybe hear that one more. Um, yeah, I was going, I was cruising, and feeling good, and then out of nowhere, man, I just hit the wall and I just bonked. Uh, it's like a feeling of of no energy. You're like on that kind of exhausted or tired feeling, or you you know, uh, I'd say if you had that experience or have done this a lot, you know that feeling of like oh, I'm behind on my, my fuel or hydration and I should have ate and it's just not, my body is not having it right now. It's not settling well. I'd feel like a lack of energy related to, you know, bonk or hitting the wall. And it, it's tough to recover from that for the most part from what you hear. Um, a, a seg or segment is mostly related to like Strava. Um, those are segments in that app, obviously. <laughs> That's are that have a, a CR, right? Or a King of the Mountain or that course record on them or that little segment record. And a lot of people go the, after those. I use those a lot when I don't know what to, to do if I want to have like a hard day or sprint on something. Uh, it, it's fun. It gives you a goal, especially with local people around. You'll kind of see their names uh, in certain spots and you, you kind of compete and know the person without really knowing the person. Uh, they can be really fun. And lastly on the list here, I just have single track which is exactly what it sounds like. It is a track or maybe not exactly what it sounds like. I take that back. It's a skinny part of the trail where really no one can get by. It's made for one person or 
if you're running on a lot of like bike trails like I do, bike tires are pretty small. So the trails can be, you know, not very wide. But a single track is very common and it is a skinny part of the trail that you will run into a lot. So there we go. There's a, a fun list of a whole bunch of words. I hope I explained them decently enough um, and, and got to open your your ears to some of these things and, and help take away some of the fog. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more. And again, I didn't want to like, there like with shoes, I thought about that too. When people start talking about like uppers and, and lugs and what about this and parts of parts of packs and, and other things. But I think this is a, uh, if I can get another list going, that'd be a really cool, you know, number two, uh, second episode. Um, so if there's a word I missed or if I didn't explain something very well, please tell me. I would love, educate me. Let's help each other, right? Still sharp and still. Uh, if you have an episode idea, other words that I missed, questions about a word, or anything in between, let me know. Send me an email at fullsteamaudio@outlook.com. Thank you so much for carrying along, guys, with me all the way here. This is Light on the Trail, and may the dirt be forever under your feet. <laughs>